But this is the brewery, and um, you know, brewing uh, is pretty much uh, you know divided up in the hot side of things and the cold side of things. So, hot side of things for us is the the brew house, the mash tun, the boil kettle, um, and then the hot liquor tank. And uh, in the cold side, there's all our fermenters and our cold liquor tank. This looks like a medieval torture device. Uh, this is an old cider press that we got. Um, we actually used it for making our strawberry wheat last year and quickly realized that uh, you don't press strawberries. You see all the art we hang and talked about a little while ago, but you know, we do like to sponsor local artists. And um, this gentleman here, Michael Morrison, has been up for a couple months now and uh, like his paintings. Uh, we, we get, you know, when you open a, a brewery, sometimes you get people just walking off the street. And, uh, <laughs> this is what happened to us a couple weeks ago. A guy came in and said, hey, I found some stuff in this, you know, secret little room in the attic of my mom's 1910 house. Wow. And you guys want to come get it. And basically, it's Prohibition era. That's Larry Lane from Double Barley Brewing, and along with a good friend of mine, Josh Knoxon. It's an opportunity to kind of, you know, see what I can create. We will be discussing the art of crafting beer. Hey guys, welcome back to Make It A Double. It's the podcast that talks booze, spirits, history, mixology, and the people and stories that make it all great. I'm Mike Stojic, and as you just heard, today's episode is on the art of crafting beer. I have two great guests on today's show. First, we're going to hear from Larry Lane. Larry, along with his wife Cheryl, own Double Barley Brewing in Smithfield, North Carolina. It's a favorite of mine, and in my opinion, a brewery with one of the best and more interesting stories behind each beer. We'll talk about some of those stories as he invites us into his tap room to discuss everything from the birth of Double Barley to beer naming inspirations. Then a good friend of mine joins me, Josh Knoxon. Josh is a hobby brewer who is currently living in California. He'll talk through some of his experiences and philosophies of brewing. I had a lot of fun making this episode. I hope you enjoy it. I encourage you to grab your favorite drink, sit on back, and enjoy the show. All right, listeners, I'm going to guess a bunch of you are probably hobby brewers, and some may even be interested in taking this craft to the next level. Well, that's exactly what our first guest did. Larry started out with a home brew kit not too long ago, but then something happened. So Larry, we're all wondering, how did you take a hobby brewing kit and turn it into double barley brewing? Well, it's like most things, if you uh, put two things together, sometimes they come out to be more than the sum, right? right. So uh, you take a beer kit and put it with somebody like me who's an engineer and, and just completely uh, goober about things and wanting to learn and understand things. And, uh, you know, the reality is I, I didn't even use the beer kit for the first, you know, maybe six months I had it. Um, maybe not that long, but I remember we uh, got it in June and probably brewed the first batch of beer in November or something like that. So, and, uh, brewed the first batch. It was a Russian Imperial Stout. 
uh, brewed it with my neighbor, uh, who was my uh, helper there for many years <laughs> in the driveway. And, you know, it just it went from it went from hobby to obsession pretty quickly. And uh, I just wanted to know everything there was to know or everything I could try to learn about brewing and about, uh, you know, the, the craft behind it and the science. I mean, because there's a lot of, you know, scientific piece and engineering pieces. There's technical pieces to brewing that you got to know. Um, and, and you got to understand them uh, if you want to brew good beer. So uh, it went, uh, I, I wouldn't say that anybody that got a homebrew kit for their birthday was going to end up in the position I'm at. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, if you're fairly intense and uh, you really enjoy it, then you may find yourself in the same boat. So remember that when you're getting somebody a birthday gift. So was there a step in between? I mean, how did you know it was time to start Double Barley? Well, Cheryl and I talked about it and, you know, we, we both love beer and, um, you know, when I got to a six tap kegerator and had 20 different kegs, uh, sitting oh, there wow. in some st- state of, of doing things and, uh, our dining room turned into the fermentation area and our, <laughs> and our living room turned into the, uh, cellaring area and, uh, you know, pretty much took over our garage. And right. so we jokingly said one day we either have to open a brewery or we're going to have to move because our homeowners association was not real happy with me brewing out in the front, uh, uh driveway, but, <laughs> but, you know, in all honesty, we, 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 uh, we submitted a bunch of beers for the National Homebrew Competition. We got great feedback on them. Um, you know, did very well in the first rounds. We did that for a couple of years. And all my friends uh, and everybody that had the beer loved the beer. And, you know, we started working on a business plan. Uh, we always wanted to own our own company. We always wanted to do something like that. And so we started a business plan and we took our time and spent, you know, a little over a year really mm-hmm. researching, talking to people and put it all together and uh, had obviously had a lot of help from other people helping us do the financials and that kind of thing. And, and we put it out to friends and family and we told ourselves, hey, if we get to this level of interest, we're, we're going to go for it. And we got to that level of interest pretty quick. And so then it was um, put up or shut up. So we decided to, <laughs> we decided to move ahead. And, uh, right. you know, it's frightening. Um, you know, this is a big, big deal. It's a big operation. You know, pretty much everything we uh, own or have or ever will have is tied up in this. So, mm-hmm. uh, but it's also very satisfying, and you know, uh, owning your own business and and doing something that you love to do. So, yeah, that's got to be great. Yeah, I mean, that's that's I think it should be everyone's goal to do something that you really should love. be. But this isn't your only job. I know you're the you're the owner, and this is. I mean, this seems like a lot to do. But then you also have a, a second job that's kind of your day job. So, yeah. so you have got to be one of the most busy people I think I've probably met. <laughs> yeah, you, I'm you, pretty busy, but you know, I, I tell you, when we started this, we we made sure we hired the best people, and you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I joke with Cheryl about you know taking the good parts of corporate America and bringing them into you know small business like this and leaving the ninety eight percent of the crap behind. But one of the things we took away from all that was we were going to hire great people that you know were passionate about what we're doing here, passionate about making this a success, and that takes a lot of stress and a lot of load off. And you know Cheryl runs day to day, and mm-hmm. I come in after uh, my day job and you know do the things that I need to do and. Um, we have a, a brewer, Mark Kirby, and he does a tremendous job. And Richie's our assistant brewer, so they're, they're running the things during the day. And I try to keep, you know, recipe development, right. um, procedures, uh, you know, all the non-glamorous things like taxes. So, <laughs> yeah, but certainly, that. the majority of that work is done every day from uh, Cheryl and Mark and Richie and Angie, our bar manager. So, yeah, I had a chance to talk with a, a little bit of a chat with Mark and Richie. Those are some really good guys, yeah, and they and they really enjoy working here. And that was really good to see. 
Yeah. So you, you're definitely well, doing I mean, you something tell people right. You're <laughs> a, uh, you tell people you're uh, do XYZ, I'm an HVAC technician. Yeah. Yeah, okay, well, that's kind of cool. You tell people you're brew beer for a living. Oh, that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's pretty that's, awesome. I think that's most guys' dream Yeah, to, to brew beer and then to do it and make money doing it. I think that's pretty cool. No, we hadn't got to that point yet, but we're trying. <laughs> You got to be getting close. You're yeah, in, we think we are. But, you're on all the know. Carolina ale houses now. Yeah, well, so. they, they're picking us up now, and uh, yeah, that's been a huge. Uh, that's got to be uh, a huge win. It's, it's a huge win. Uh, Carolina ale house is just uh, has been, you know dealing with them and and their people has just been awesome. Um, cool. And we're getting on uh, tap now, and they're changing everything over. So they'll, yeah, they'll so be our biggest customer for sure. That's cool. So I also understand that you've lived in a few different places. I guess you started here in North Carolina, where you met your wife in NC State. Um, and then at some point you moved to downtown Philly and then over to uh, Amish country in Lancaster and then back to North Carolina. And I'm just wondering if during your travels and living in all these different settings and cultures, um, if it had any influence on the ingredients that you use in, in your recipes when you're making your beer. Um, I don't know that there's been any direct influence. I can say, though, that... Um you know, one of the things that is super important for us is that we use uh, the highest quality ingredients we can get, um, um, whether it's the, the vanilla and our Thrillin' Vanilla, the hops that we're using, or, you know, any of the adjuncts that we use. I mean, we, we try to make sure we have top quality because you can only make such a good product with starting out with mediocre or okay raw materials. Um, you know, one of the things being up in Amish country that I thought was always interesting was, you know, that's what they're all about. They're all about making a great product out of the freshest, best right. material they can they can have. So, but, you know, I can tell you, I can tell you, getting into the craft beer was 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 big when I got here, and seeing what North Carolina is doing and, and the explosion of craft beer is pretty awesome. Yeah, it's huge here, isn't it? It's massive. Isn't um, I believe February is North Carolina Craft Beer Month? Is that right? I believe that's right. Or one of those months. North Carolina Beer Month is in fact April, as proclaimed by Governor Pat McCrory and presented by Visit North Carolina and the North Carolina Craft Brewers Guild. For more information, visit ncbeermonth.com. The other thing that I found really interesting and a lot of fun when I was ch- just checking out your website was the story behind the names of your beers. Yeah. And uh, one that I'm going to talk about here in a second I'm really curious, really, what comes first? Because it almost looks like, a, or to me, it sounds like a, a chicken and the egg. You know, what comes first? This awesome story or this awesome event. And then out of that event, it spawns as, I can create a beer out of this. Yeah. Or it's, I want to create a beer. And, oh, this is similar to something that has happened before in my past. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, sometimes it starts out, and, you know, a good example is, uh, you know, Cheryl's nickname is Shay. Uh, it's also Wilma. And, and so she's a complete hophead and she loves uh, IPAs. And uh, so that's why we have the Touche IPA and the Wilma's <laughs> Wondering IPA. So, you know, but that she told me that she wanted this big, bold uh, IPA. So I set out right. to make the IPA and then we named it afterwards. And, you know, it's an interesting story around that one. But, you know, sometimes the, the names, you know, almost always I start out to, to put together a recipe based on something that I'm trying to get. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so Cheryl says she wants a super hoppy, very complex IPA. Well, 
that's how I'm going to kind of start off doing it. So, right. and then there's other times where there's a story, and you know, <laughs> and I think you're going to talk about the Richards, and that's kind yep. of a yes, that's am. kind of opposite. So, yeah, and this is for the folks who are listening. First, go to doublebarleybrewing.com. Uh, click on the link that takes you to the the beers that they make, and then read some of these stories because they're really great. But I'm going to tell you my favorite one. And it's actually the beer I'm drinking right now. It's Richard's Black IPA. It's a double black India pale ale. And the IPA isn't letter I, the letter P, and the letter A. It's spelled E-Y-E, and then the letter P and an A. So it's a black, like as if you get a black eye. Anyway, so here's a story. I'm going to read it almost verbatim for, <laughs> for right. what you post. Uh, so here's a story. The thrill of victory and the agony of defeat and a juicy black eye to show for it. The game was ping pong. It was a heated doubles match in the brew house. Richard's partner brewer Mark hits it and steps back. Richard steps forward and at the same time, pow, black eye number one. Fast forward to yet another riveting match and Richard's opponent decides to use a golf ball in lieu of the correct and much lighter ball. The golf ball takes a hop in the wrong direction and kapow! Black eye number two in the same eye. To honor Richard's brave heart and tenacity, we brewed this flavorful double black IPA, which unlike Richard, this beer has a nice bitter end to remind you that player haters should be your motivators. Haters should be your motivators. <laughs> it's the best story. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Richard, first of all, I didn't even know you could play doubles ping pong, but apparently you can. <laughs> Me neither. They, they don't play it very well, but apparently you can do it. So, um, yeah, but, you know, Richard is, uh, he's our plumber. He's been with us from day one. And uh, uh, this this whole story was just a riot. Um, and uh, I remember when he had the black eyes and <laughs> telling the story. I mean, you know, you walk around with a black eye, you got to have a story, you right? Better or, have a story. You better have a yeah. story, right? Um, and he, uh, he gave us the whole rundown. And I was like, man, there's got to be a beer made after that. And so um, uh, he happened to be um, into the black IPAs at the time. I said, okay, we're going to do a double black IPA <laughs> to commemorate your double black eye. And oh, by the way, people, um, golf balls and ping pong, not a good idea. No, it's a terrible a idea. idea. Whose idea was that? Yeah. That's crazy. They move fast and they're heavy. Yeah, they're heavy. They're he- Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're just dense. <laughs> and they get hit in the same eye twice. Like <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't. I think, he, I think he shied away from playing any ping pong for a couple weeks yeah, after that. Yeah, he should probably stick to, I don't know, gardening or something less something. dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> Than ping pong. Yeah, you know, ping pong is not supposed to be a high impact sport, but you know, no, it's not, not, not even close. I don't know. I guess it depends who you ask. I've seen some super competitive ping pong players. They, no doubt, man, they don't mess around. But I love it. I think the stories are great. I think that's just really unique to Double Barley. Um, there's most places I've gone, and uh, I mean, I'm a bit of an enthusiast. I don't think I'm a connoisseur. I'm not smart enough to be a connoisseur, but I am an enthusiast, and I right. love craft beer. So, uh, and I don't, I don't know normally hear cool interesting stories but you guys have them for all of your beers yeah. have some really cool story behind them yeah i mean i think that you know i mean you know for for me there's a connection with every beer that we make and uh we've got you know a bunch more recipes we haven't even brewed yet so but there's a connection there's a story there's a situation there's something you know and it's a it's like i was telling somebody the other day you know you, sometimes you'll hear a song and you'll be like man i remember where i was right. what i was doing and you know beer's the same way in, in that respect you know we you know every beer's it's got a story's got a background there's there's some reason why we brewed that beer that's so, awesome 
I think we just like awesome. to make sure that everybody else knows about it. Too, so. <laughs> yeah. I think it's great because, I mean, it makes me want to, to know more. Yeah. Uh, and, and then come around and hear the story and, and be a part of Double Barley. Uh, for me, it does. Yeah. I think, well, I think that's, that's cool. True. That's what we it, want. Yeah, I think it resonates with people when you know the story and there's something, um, something more behind the beer, an identity behind yeah. the beer than just the beer itself. Well, and I think I'm a firm believer when you make something that somebody consumes, they drink, they eat, you know, not, you know, shirt that you wear, but, you know, there's already some relationship between you and that person, whether they ever know them or not. So, right. you know, I think the stories behind the beers, uh, you know, we don't make them up. I mean, it's just the way it happens to be. And, uh, <laughs> so I think it just adds that that level of uh, connection with, with the consumer. Oh, absolutely. So. I, I agree. I agree 100%. So you have a bunch of recipes. Oh, yeah. Sitting in your back pocket ready yeah. to use them. When, yeah. when, are, when are we going to see those? Well, you know, to be quite honest, we, we're trying to um, quell our enthusiasm for bringing all these new beers. Uh, 15 barrels of beer, which is typically what we are brewing. Uh, that's a lot of beer. So, and we already keep, uh, nine or 10 different beers in rotation on tap here at the tap room. And, uh, we've got six, seven different ones out there. So we're just trying to balance between, you know, at some point when we get, uh, you know, a little more predictable about what we're doing, uh, definitely we'll be brewing a lot more of those. Cause there's, uh, there's a great Scotch ale that I haven't brewed on the big system, and I'd love to brew it. So, oh boy, that'd, that'd be pretty good. Well, how do you know it's time? I mean, what, what indicators are there that, where that tell you now's a good time to switch out one beer for another beer? Like this, I guess the seasonal ones kind of make sense, but some of the other ones that are year round, how do you know when it's time to switch those out? So, you know, we're distributed statewide by Mutual, and they, they've been a great partner for us. And you know, what we told them from the beginning is we want you know our base beers. You know, so we have our four base beers that mm-hmm. are out there: our Abbey's Amber, our Touche IPA, our Thrill and Vanilla Porter, and our State Cake Stout. Uh, we have we do four seasonals um, uh, throughout the year, and we do some special releases. Um, so we have our uh, good example of that is we do our Sparky's Coffee Chocolate Milk Stout, and we release that January 1st every year. So um, it's a lot to offer out of a, a fairly small and definitely right. a starting up brewery. So right now we're just, you know, we're just managing, you know, to do those. So when it's all said and done, we're brewing about eight different beers that are going out into the market over the course of a year. So that's a lot. Are there any plans for expansion? Yeah, we just put another 20-barrel fermenter in in the back. We got another 30-barrel we just put in. Um, we're, we're actively hunting for some more fermenters right now. So, right. And that's really the growth plan for us is we add more fermentation capacity, and you know we, we, hope, to, we hope to have a few more 30-barrels in-house before the end of the year. Yeah, yeah I mean, all the bottle shops, basically. Right. Um, if you're in Clayton, Clayton, uh, Clayton uh, Beverage Company and uh, 42 Beverage, um, and obviously all the other ones, Tasty and all that stuff. Uh, but we're on uh, Lowe's Foods, um, you know, all the Lowe's Foods that have the beer dens and maybe even some more. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we're on shelf there. We're uh, slowly going on shelf at the Harris Teeters. We're, we're on about eight different Harris Teeters throughout the state. Um, it's kind of an interesting thing. You get authorized to be in a store, and then those stores pick you up as they you know, want to pick you up. So, <laughs> But uh, draft is, is, is the, you know, is that's our number one footprint out there. The next thing I want to ask, because I understand alcohol by volume or ABV, but when I was checking out your website, I also noticed for each beer you list IBUs uh-huh. in color. Color, I guess I can, I mean, that kind of makes sense. Some are, <laughs> some are really dark and then some are really light. But IBUs is something I'm not as familiar with. ABV, I think we all know. Right. But IBUs, maybe not so much. So what, what is that? And then well, why, I, do, why is it important to, to post that on your website? 
Well, um, IBUs are your international bittering unit, so it gives you an indication of how much bitterness is going to be a part of a beer. Um, so if you look at a, an IPA and it's 90 IBUs, you can rest assured it's going to be plenty hoppy, plenty bitter okay. uh, versus one that's 40. So, you know, we try to give people um, the standard information on the beer so they can kind of get an idea of, of what to expect when they get them. Um, but that's why, I mean, uh, we also, you know, we, we list the, the alcohol, the, the color, and the uh, IBUs for all the beers on the website. Yeah, that's great. That's something I haven't really, I've, I haven't really seen before. Right. And now that you say IBUs is for bitters, okay, now that makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. <laughs> and SRM means something standard, something like measurement. Yeah, I it's, uh, it's it's kind of what Some I was telling you. Thing. I'm I'm not smart enough to be a connoisseur, so I, but but I do really enjoy it. So I do consider myself an enthusiast. But, so that's it. Is that a scale from zero to a hundred, or does that go through? Theoretical IBUs in a beers stops at a hundred, but the reality is, is you can have you can have beers with over 100 IBUs. Wow, um, no kidding. Boy, that's got to be really bitter. Well, it depends. You know, it depends. Um, you know, some people tell you there's you can't get any more you can't get any more bitterness and hop oils and stuff into your beer past about 100. So that's okay. kind of saturation. So, But, you know, um, there's a lot of other ways to get that same flavor. I mean, this Richard's you're trying right now, that's our heaviest hop beer, 44 pounds of hops in a, in a batch, which is just insane. Uh, but it's fairly... Smooth. Um, yeah, it's really from, great. Yeah. I, I really enjoy it. Yeah. 44 pounds. 44 pounds, yeah. That's quite a bit. That's a ton. <laughs> it's quite the cleanup after the batch, I can tell you. I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> here's, here's another one that I have for you. Um, because craft beer breweries are popping up and they're, they're really gaining popularity, so what is it that separates you guys? Well, you know, we, we, uh, we brew the beers we like to drink and, you know, uh, I like a very flavorful, very balanced um, beer. If you're having, um, you know, our summer seasonal, which is a blueberry lemon wheat, I want you to know you're drinking a blueberry lemon wheat, but mm-hmm. I don't want it to be overpowering in blueberry, and I don't want you going, man, I got to go brush my teeth to get this flavor <laughs> out. You know? Um, so, you know, full-flavored, very bold beers. Um, we tend to brew um, higher alcohol beers, uh, higher gravity beers, it just happens to work out that those are the beers that have, uh, in my opinion, uh, have a ton of flavor and a ton of depth and complexity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what you'll see. You know, we 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 pride ourselves on making uh, very flavorful, uh, very balanced, clean finishing. That's another thing that is important to me. Uh, when you get through drinking a beer, you know, I want you to thirst for more, but not have to, you know, clear your palate after it right. either. So uh, we're called double barley because we use a lot of grain too. Um, so. We have a 20-barrel brew house in the back. We brew 15-barrel, 13-barrel, 10-barrel batches. So most of the beers that we have, we couldn't brew a 20-barrel batch on a 20-barrel system. So that's why we kind of have an oversized system. Huh, and, no kidding. And we also derate our system. So uh, a lot of breweries will um, get 85 <clears throat> 88 90% efficiency out of their brew house. Uh, we're lucky to get about 75 76% efficiency out. Um, but we're not trying to squeeze every every ounce of sugar out of the grain. And right. that, that has an impact in the flavor. Yeah, it's more not about quite qu- as cost effective, but you know, it makes it much better. But you get a, a more quality product. Absolutely. So quality over quantity. Absolutely. I mean, most most craft beer enthusiasts, that's what they're really looking for is the quality. I mean, that's why we go after craft beer. That's exactly right. Because we want the quality. We don't want something that's been mass produced and just shipped out at the lowest cost because you can really tell the difference oh, in something yeah. that's high, higher quality as opposed no to lower quality. So you guys have a pretty cool setup that I really haven't noticed before in other other breweries. I mean, a really really nice bar. Yeah, we um we're very proud of the the tap room. 
<clears throat> we like to call it uh, Johnston County modern. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, we have some of the rustic. I mean, you know, at the end of the, at the, at the, end of the design period of, of getting our architect and our designer and Cheryl and me and uh, kind of figuring out what we wanted this place to be, you know, I wanted a place that was comfortable. You come sit down, feel at home, feel comfortable, you know, and uh, that's what we've got. It's country kind of wood and all kinds of nice uh, finishes. But at the end, at the end of the day, when you get in here, I want you to sit down and be comfortable and have a beer and enjoy yourself. And yeah, I mean, this is really great. I'm a, I'm a little ashamed to say that I've never been here. I'm new to the area. Yeah. So hopefully you can forgive me for never been been here. That's the past. Yeah. We're we're moving forward. But I'm definitely coming back because this place is really cool looking and it's it's unlike any other brewery yeah. and i was just kind of looking around and it looks like you have live music sometimes we we try to have live music just about every weekend here and so we so su- we support uh we're big proponents of live music and you know the craft beer scene and you know the craft of music and and art you can see all the local art that we hang in the in the in the area throughout we have a big arts and crafts festival once a year out here as well so that's so awesome i I think that's so great because i think it really just ties everything together kind of brings the community together people get excited about it all right guys we're going to take a quick break but when we come back we're going to hear from josh noxon our home brewer extraordinaire and then later we'll hear what sort of advice both josh and larry have for up and coming brewers Guys, let me tell you about my friend, Malia Christie. She creates some incredible works of art. She's very talented. Just like the great street artist Banksy said, art should comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable, and that is what Malia sets out to do with Shaded and Faded. Shaded and Faded is unique. It's original. It all comes from the creative mind of Malia Christie. She specializes in figure, abstract, mixed-media canvas painting, and custom furniture creations. Check her out on Facebook. Search Shaded and Faded. While you're checking out Shaded and Faded, why not listen to Wait What If? Wait What If is a podcast hosted by another friend of mine, Kevin Sullivan. If you're interested in far out there things that make you stop and think, huh, wait, what if? Then check out Kevin's podcast, Wait What If, on iTunes and Stitcher or streaming from podbean.com. He explores things like what happens to the soul if you're teleported, observational reality, the Fermi paradox, and are ghosts real just to name a few? Check them out on Facebook. It's Wait What If. Also, if you're near Clayton, North Carolina, and for those of you who need a reference, Clayton is just outside of Raleigh, North Carolina, but if you're anywhere near Clayton on the 10th of October and you like beer, and you like barbecue, and you like live music, then check out the Clayton Shindig on October 10th. It's currently in its fourth year. It gets bigger and better every time. Some of the breweries on site will be Double Barley, Deep River, and Aviator, just to name a few. There will be 10 bands on two stages with performances by the Steel Drivers and Black Lilies, just to name a couple. And the Whole Hog Barbecue Series will be here smoking up the best barbecue you ever had. Check out their website for a full lineup and ticket information at www.theshindigclayton.com. That's theshindigclayton.com. Now let's get back to the show. You just tell me. You just tell me what I need to say. Something. You you can go right now. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, my name is Josh Noxon. Uh, I guess I would be considered a 
Were we a hobbyist brewer? Is that what we... I think so. I think we said hobbyist brewer. Because you're certainly not an amateur. I've had your beer, and there's nothing amateur about the stuff you're brewing. So I think hobby is probably the best way to do it. Okay. Well, I guess I've been brewing for uh, going on six years now. If you don't mind telling us a little bit about how you got started in home brewing. Yeah. So we were living in Beaufort, South Carolina. We had just gotten back from our deployment, actually. I'd recently gotten married and I was just really kind of looking for something to do, something to kind of keep me mentally active. Um, And I was like, hey, you know what? I really like to to build stuff. I like to to use my brain. I like to drink beer. (laughs) How can I I mash these two things? That's right. How do we how do we take beer drinking and using your brain and smash it together? <laughs> smash these two things together. I went out and I bought like a forty dollar homebrew kit and a big pot and saved a bunch of twelve ounce bottles. Brewed my first batch of beer and that was that. That was it. How how did it come out? The first one. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I drank every single one of them. Good for you, man. <laughs> Good yeah. for you. Yeah. Uh, what, so what were you but, trying to make? Ah, man. Do you remember? I, I think it was, uh, I want to say it was probably just like a like an IPA, like a very basic beer. Uh, nothing special. Uh, I, I followed, you know, the kit is like basically if you can bake a cake, you can follow this kit, right? Uh-huh. Uh, so I don't know what happened, uh, but it, it tasted like, kind of tasted like rat piss. <laughs> Uh, well, and, how did that uh, how did that set you up for the next batch? I mean, was it you clearly you weren't discouraged because you've been doing it for six years, but I well, mean, you know, if it I, tasted I, that terrible, you but you but stuck I, with you know, it. I saw an opportunity to make it better, you know, and I, I wanted to play around with it a little bit. First of all, I bought a pot, and I was like, well, I got to use this thing now. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I figured it was an opportunity to like see what I can do to make it a little bit better, and you know, I don't know, it continually got better, and people started drinking it, so it, so it was pretty decent, uh, which kind of motivated motivated me to brew some more, and here we are. That's awesome. I mean, I know I've I've had a few of your beers. And it was, it surprised me. I, 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 well, I, you know, I'm not entirely sure what I was expecting <laughs> because we've been friends for a really long time. So I wasn't really sure how this was going to turn out. But I have to say, it was really, really good beer. And I think by then you actually had a refrigerator, an old refrigerator that you drilled holes through and turned into sure. a kegerator. Yeah, you started- yeah. So I got, I got tired of bottling beers and washing bottles and, and doing all that. So I, um, Figure why not keg it, right? And that's like the next. It's like the next step in my 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 debauchery. I, I feel like that's uh, just the next logical step in evolution of beer brewing is bottles the kegs. Yeah, you know, and it's funny that you mentioned how you were like, I wasn't really sure what to expect, but this beer is surprisingly good. <laughs> I'm not sure if I should be offended by that word. <laughs> I think it's, it's like a, I think it's a compliment. I think it's a compliment. <laughs> well, can't a compliment. No, no, man. I think it's a great compliment because if if everyone else who said the same thing that I said has the same first experiences that I had with with craft beer, or at least my own attempt at making, I tried one time in college with a Mister Beer kit, and I think that might be where I went wrong <laughs> because because <laughs> you can buy those things from like Bath and Bed Bath and Beyond, and they're like fifteen bucks. And I tried to make beer, and it, oh my god, it was terrible. I, I think I think it when it fermented it almost exploded and so I had to take it outside. <laughs> but I, but like you, I was like I'm gonna drink it anyway, and I got maybe through one sip before I spit it out. And I was like never again will I do this. So maybe that's why. Uh, I tried to make root beer one time and 
I put it talking about things exploding and I put it in like the thing said like, Hey, put stored in two liter Coke bottles in a dark place. So logically the darkest place in my house is a closet mm-hmm. and they exploded. <laughs> <laughs> it, it blew like a little hole in the wall and I like, got all over uniforms and, co- and codes. <laughs> it was in the middle of the night right? and Carol and I were sleeping. And I was in here. Of course, of course, it's the middle of the night. <laughs> of course it is. So you can jump out of bed and be like, what the <laughs> is going on? Yeah. I can figure out how to wash a uniform at two o'clock in the morning so it didn't stain. It's the reaction of combining sugar and yeast, which generates carbon dioxide or CO2. CO2 pressure in some soft drinks can be as high as 1,200 pounds per square inch. Car tires are usually around 35 PSI. If not dealt with appropriately, sugar and yeast will continue to produce CO2 until it ruptures the container, causing an explosion. Have you tried root beer since, or is that, or is that no. been the last time? No, no. no, you're like, no, forget, I'm done with you. Not only did it ruin uniforms, but it doesn't even get me drunk, so. No, that's right. <laughs> What's the point of this? <laughs> So are you only doing kegs now, or are you do you also still do bottles? Or do you so I do, yeah, so I, I do bottles. So I started doing like small batch, like one gallon batches, which allows me to kind of try like try a lot of different weird stuff without you know making five gallons worth of beer. I mix mix one gallon. So uh, I still bottle those just because it's you know far less bottles I have to deal with. It makes it a little bit easier. But when I do like a, when I do a full batch, I'll, I'll keg that. So. And then how much beer are you typically yielding when you do a full batch? It's five gallons, which do the math. I think it comes out to a little over two cases. And uh, the small batch is usually about, usually about 12, usually about 12 pack. So why do you, why do you brew your own? Is there, I mean, other than just something to keep you busy, any other reason? I mean, I, you know, I, I mean, it's kind I, of like, to me, I, there's really an art to this um, because it is, when they say craft beer, I mean, it, it really is a craft and you get to mix things together and create your own identity out of your beer. So uh, I was wondering if any of that played a part in it. Yeah, it's definitely, um, you know, so I, right when we moved to Virginia, I established Castle Brewing, which is uh, my, my brew, my brewery. <laughs> um, but yeah, one, it's, it's an opportunity to kind of, you know, see what I can create from, you know, what I find online or, you know, what basically if I just go pick up a bunch of random grains at the brew store or whatever. Um, and two, I, I found that it's a good way to introduce people to different styles of beers uh, that they probably wouldn't normally drink. Um, my dad is a prime example of that. Uh, <laughs> he, is a, he is a bush beer man through and through, you know, but if I can get him to drink uh, a stout or, you know, an IPA that I brewed, um, or an amber or something, and he's like, hey, "This is this is all right, you know. Maybe you know, maybe one day he'll, he'll drink something other than a bush beer, <laughs> <laughs> and realize that there's other things out there." Uh, That's awesome. I, I just like to uh, I just like to try different things, and I, I think it's really it's opened my horizons in terms of different beers. It's kind of made me taste different beers that I probably wouldn't I wouldn't drink otherwise. That no, makes sense. When you find yourself in the kitchen mixing stuff together, I know you said you find some of your ingredients or your uh, recipes online. But do you ever find yourself like the mad scientist and just mashing a bunch of weird things together to see how it's going to come out? I do, yeah. And I feel like a mad scientist uh, most of the time. And I think that's partly why <laughs> I enjoy 
<laughs> like there's like things like I got pots and I've got got flasks. I've got like different glassware and like I got yeast over here that's been like growing for two or three days. And you know sometimes I try to use the recipes or, or different things that I find online as, as a guideline to kind of just get me started and point me in the right direction. From there, I'll see kind of see what happens. I'll either add more, add less change you know a different type of yeast or, or whatever to, to kind of see if i can get a different type of flavor what's the craziest beer combination that you've made and how to come out was it did, was, did it surprise you at all was it surprisingly good or did yeah, it so I, it wasn't the craziest one i did was probably not beer with mead uh, i brewed some mead one time the old viking um, viking brews sure did ah, yeah awesome. yeah it was not it's like basically it's just honey it's honey <laughs> and water i don't even remember what sparked me to, to brew mead but anyway so you you do it and then it has to sit for like four or five months and it basically just you know ferments rots whatever you want to call it we drank it caroline my wife described it as smoked meat <laughs> i don't think that's how it's supposed to taste <laughs> But I'm also not a Viking, so <laughs> that's true. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> uh, would you try it again, or is that your last attempt with with the meat? <clears throat> no, I think I would definitely try it again. You know, it's very time consuming. Actually, it takes a long time, and mm-hmm. not to brew it, but for it to ferment, it takes a long time, and um, it takes a lot of patience on that aspect. <laughs> uh, and, I'm, and I'm a little gun shy, uh, but I, I think uh, given the opportunity, I definitely, I'm definitely planning on doing it again sometime. Right on. So, what was your um, what was your favorite beer that you've made? Oh man! If you have multiple, that's cool. We'll, we'll I'll take yeah, all no, of those. I, I, the milk stout that I did, I thought was really good. It was the first one that I had ever done. I just thought it came out really, really delicious. Awesome. Uh, I, I think you might have had that one. I'm, I'm remembering now, and I'm pretty sure I did. It was in your basement. Yeah, right. Yeah, down there. Was, I think that was the first one that I ever kegged too. I think I did. I think I did. I definitely remember the uh, milk stout. So yeah. I'm going to say it was the first because I want to be part of that. I want to be part of. The, yeah. I want to be part of the Castle Brew <laughs> legacy. <laughs> so I can tell. So, <laughs> so when you build your brewery, I'm like, I was here first. I had the, the first here. batch, and that actually kind of <laughs> leads me into my next question because earlier in the episode. Um, I talked with Larry Lane, and he's the creator of Double Barley Brewing, and we kind of spoke about him offline before we started recording, but he started almost exactly the same way that you started, and he's got a very yeah. similar story where next thing you know, he's getting a lot of compliments. It just kept growing and growing and growing, and then it, it went from a closet to taking over a room to taking over multiple rooms, and then he, he and his wife were like, we need to do something about this, so they actually opened their own brewery. I'm telling you, it's like 10, 15 minutes from my house, and it's a really cool place with a little bar and everything, and they're in a lot of restaurants right now but um so he so he did it so i was wondering if that was in uh was in your sights and you know it's always i think that's every every like home brewers pipe dream is to set up their own brewery or anything along those lines i would love to do it i just don't i think it's a lot of money you know what i mean to to kind of get things off the ground well larry's been there and done that let's see what he thinks Uh, whatever you think it's going to cost to open up um and people tell you this too go ahead and double that and whatever you think you're going to get in revenue, cut that in half. And then if you still think you can make it happen, go for it. Well, what do you say, Josh? I don't know. I, I think it'd be a lot of fun, but I just, I don't know if it, it would ever, I don't know if Castle Brew would ever make it, make it to the big time. I love the name Castle Brew. Um, and I, I think I know the history behind it, but if you could uh, explain, explain some of that history behind the name Castle sure. Brew. Yeah. So as you know, uh, I am a combat engineer in the Marine Corps, as you you were in a, in a formal life. Uh, probably the greatest job in the Marine Corps. No um, doubts. <laughs> yeah, we, I think we can both attest to that. But, you know, kind of like the symbol for combat engineers is a castle. 
kind of harkens back to the sapper days when you know, we're storming castles and olden olden days or whatever. And uh, so engineers get to, to rock around with a little castle on uh, on their flak or whatever, and that's you know kind of we hold that kind of close to our chest. And I thought it'd be kind of cool to come up with Castle Brew. I definitely think it's it's cool, and it would be my favorite beer, even if it was terrible, just because of the name <laughs> Castle Brew. <laughs> just because the name Castle and the fact that I'm also a combat engineer. So um, I'm drinking a beer right now, and I think you're drinking a beer too. What kind of what kind of beer are you drinking? Other than Castle Brew, um, what's your beer of choice? Well, yeah, when I'm not drinking Castle Brew. Um, today I'm drinking uh, Lagunitas Daytime Ale. Yeah, yeah, brewed up in uh, Chino, I believe, up in uh, Northern California. Pretty delicious. Um, are you yeah. in, are you involved in any any clubs or organizations? Are there any hobby brewing clubs out there in California? There, there is. Uh, I, I have not gotten linked in any of them. Uh, there's quite a few people that brew here. Actually, on my, um, I guess we could. I guess we could call it a club. Uh, we don't have an official name. I guess we're business card. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's fun. You know, you see guys that, that brew and you swing by and you kind of see what their setup looks like and. Whenever they're brewing, swing on over there and see what they're doing or vice versa. You know, I, I think um, brewing is always just, it's fun. Uh, it's a good social activity I've, I've found with different people. Even if, you know, I brew with people that, that don't brew, uh, but it's good to just kind of stand around, you know, a boiling pot um, and, and drink a beer and, and, you know, BS a little bit. Uh, so it's just kind of fun to, to stand around and, and hang out with people and talk beer or talk about whatever and, Gentlemen, before we close this out, are there any good books that you'd recommend for our listeners who may be interested in learning more? And what advice would you give? Josh, if you could gear it towards folks like me who know nothing but are interested in starting hobby brewing, and Larry, maybe two types of advice. So for the new brewer, but also the seasoned brewer like Josh, who may be interested in turning their hobby into a business. Yeah, I, I want to say, say the book is I think it's something as simple as like intro to home brewing. Um, it's definitely not a cover to cover read by any means. Um, but it's good to kind of kind of opens your brain a little bit as to what the science behind the actual brewing is. I know when I started kind of reading into it and kind of peeling it back a little bit, I was really interested in, you know, how much temperature or uh, pH could play into the different tastes and different styles of a beer. Definitely reading that book early on kind of sparked my interest to branching out from just going by the recipe that, you know, the kit came with, you know, allowing me to you know, try some different stuff. But, you know, if, if you're trying to get into it, I'd say the easiest thing is just go, go buy your kit, buy yourself a kit, follow the recipe and see what happens. You know, it's not, it's not rocket science. If I can do it, anybody can do it. That's for sure. That's <laughs> true. That's good advice. Intro to home brewing. And then if you're looking to get started, just buy a kit and do it. That's your, that's yeah. your advice to beginners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, don't be intimidated by it. It's, it's not rocket science. Um, give it a shot, see what happens, and you know maybe it'll take. Yeah, don't be uh, scared of doing it. Uh, you know, on the simplest level, brewing a batch of beer is, is pretty easy. Um, you can get a kit. It's already done for you. You need a couple plastic buckets. Um, the one piece of advice I would tell everybody, though, is, is – Sanitation. So read up. Um, How to Brew is a great book by John Palmer. Um, pretty much everything you'd ever want to know about brewing beer is in that book. But one of the things I think that most people don't do a great job of, and that is sanitizing and cleaning. 
Um, Mark and I joke around every day about, you know, n- you know this business is 90% cleaning and 10% brewing beer. Uh, and that's about the truth. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so most people get frustrated because the beer doesn't turn out good, usually because it's been contaminated or, you know, something, some residual uh, cleaner or sanitizer was left someplace. Um, so that's what I would say. Go for it. You know, you can get a bucket and boil some stuff on the stove, <laughs> cool it down, throw some pit yeast in there, and you're going to have beer. And it's it's most likely going to be pretty good. So go for it. Um, cool. On the second thing, you know, as far as anybody looking to do this on a commercial scale, uh, it is a massive leap. I mean, uh, it's like playing uh, peewee football and then uh, deciding you're going to go play in the NFL. Um, <laughs> and it's true. Like that. a good you know, it, it. It's true. It's, it's just it's it's a whole different ball game. Um, and I see a lot of people coming in. You know, there's uh, some ungodly number of breweries in North Carolina that are in planning right now, some 40, 50 breweries coming. Um and they, you know, the, yeah, I wish them all the luck in the world. But, you know, one thing I would tell every single person that's getting ready to do this is, number one, differentiate yourself, okay, because it's just a sea of brewers out there. Uh, and they're all brewing great beer. They're all brewing good quality beer. Uh, but if your beer is not different or doesn't stand out, you could be brewing a great uh, India Pale Ale, but guess what? You're going up against 50 other great India Pale Ales. Okay, right. um, so you have to differentiate yourself um, first and foremost. Uh, the second thing is uh, that I would tell people is uh, whatever you think it's going to cost to open up, um, and people tell you this too. Go ahead and double that, and whatever you think you're going to get in revenue cut that in half and then if you still think you can make it happen go for it uh, but you know we we have been super super blessed uh um bringing this place up getting the people that we have here um we just had a lot of things happen for us that have been um really positive and right. uh, looking back on things you know we've been coming up on our two-year anniversary in october looking back on things it, it's been pretty hairy to make it, you know, um, it's an expensive endeavor to do it right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, front end loaded with cost. So, uh, <laughs> you're going to put a lot of money in and you're not going to see anything come out for a while. And it's also a volume based business. Any way you look at it, you know, um, it's hard to make money if you're brewing 500, a thousand barrels a year, it's not impossible, but it's hard. Um, you know, you need to be in that 1500, 2000 barrel range just to, to make it viable. And uh, the longer it takes you to get there, the tougher it's going to be to make it. So, Well, I just wanted to say thanks for coming out and doing this. And uh, I know we've had to reschedule at least once, but uh, <laughs> uh, almost twice because uh, just uh, the day job takes things up. But I just wanted to uh, tell everybody out there, you know, thanks for supporting us. You know, this is a, you know, your customer is it's who we're out here brewing beer for it's all the people that come in and love the beer want the beer um and it's uh you know we appreciate our customer and um and it's not just the carolina ale house customers you know it's the, we, every, yeah, every right. individual you know um so we just you know we've had a great amount of support a uh, ton of luck uh and a lot of blessings to get to where we are today and just want to say thanks for everybody that supported us this far and uh, if you're not doing anything in october it's going to be a heavy month at Double Barley. So just block everything else off and come on out here for uh, just about every weekend, okay? Yeah, you heard it, folks. <laughs> come on out in October. I will be out before then. All right, cool. I will definitely be back. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan now, having seen this and talked to you and had one of your, well, I've had more of your beers, but sitting here drinking beer with you now and hearing your story, I'm a huge fan. So anytime any my family or friends come into town, I'm bringing them. Cool. I'm bringing them to Double Barley. I appreciate this you coming a, out and doing this. This is a really cool place.
Guys, that's the sound of Last Call. I want to send out a special thank you to Larry Lane for inviting us into his brewery, sharing his story, his experiences, and a pint of that delicious Double Black IPA. Check out Double Barley online at doublebarleybrewing.com for upcoming events, the stories on all of his beers, and information on brewery tours. But better yet, visit Larry at his tap room in Smithfield, North Carolina. Also, thanks to Josh Noxon, very good friend of mine, fellow Marine Corps combat engineer, and talented brewer of Castle Brew. And don't forget, go to doublepodcast.com to check out show notes, view photos from all of my interviews, find more information on all of the guests, and links to each of their websites. I'm also on Facebook. Check out Make It A Double Podcast on Facebook. Give it a like. It's the best way to get current info on shows and guests. If you have any comments or show ideas, please reach out. I'm always happy to hear from our listeners. I really hope you enjoyed the show. It's a ton of fun to make. Thanks for listening. And until next time, cheers. Mark and Richard, you know, from Richard's Double Black IPA and our brewer, Mark, they showed up one day when we were, you know, just getting started and said, hey, they heard about us and they loved beer and they wanted to help us. And that's how we met those two guys. And Mark was an HVAC technician. And um, I told him after he came up here and worked with us for a while, I said, man, I really want to teach you how to brew and I want you to come work for us. So no you know, this is the way things work sometimes.